So I'm going to have, like, one of these cameras will be on us. One of them, all right, so, so like, this camera is going to be on all three of us, right? And then uh, these two are going to be, I mean, like, that camera setup is going to be somewhat the same, except I'm going to flip the camera angle. I want this to be the backdrop instead of that to be the backdrop. Yeah. And then I'm going to screen record my actual iPad so that as the draft picks are happening, like it's actually recording so that I have that clip so that when we want to show the board, we can just go to the board. Right. And so as the video is playing, I can just show the board when we need to, you know, like remind the audience or tell the audience what picks have happened, like as they're happening and shit like that, like they can see the board. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, trust me, like, I've thought, like, a long time about it. And, like, trust me, like, it's going to be different than anybody has done before. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> this artificial M&Ms. And, by the way, all M&Ms are not built the same. Like the peanut M&Ms? No, I'm not talking about the peanut. I'm talking about just the regular M&Ms. Nah, bro. You don't have, there's, like, no chocolate. You're basically just eating, like, hard candy shell. Jason Chocolate. I said, God, give me a warning. Please take me for the morning. So I leave more disappointments than I ever will appointments. Give a fuck about your feelings. Rub it in. This your ointment can Welcome to First and 15th, the only podcast that's trying to get you paid. I'm here with two-time FFPC champion AB. Alongside him is our dynasty guru, Dio the Machine. Guys, I want to start off by talking about the biggest news this week. Sony Michelle being traded to the Rams. Relevant or irrelevant? Oh, absolutely relevant. Uh, on both sides, really. Yeah, this is a trade, I'm not going to lie, it kind of hurts me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh I'm not overweight on Darrell Henderson, Daryl Henderson, ah. et cetera. Uh, but he was someone that I've been trying to target in drafts, especially in the fifth round uh, mm -hmm. and points uh, the late fourth round. We did talk about him, didn't we? I almost forgot about that conversation. Yes, D yes. Darrell Henderson. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what this does to that <laughs> backfield. Uh, Collateral damage. Exactly. You yeah. know, I'd, I'd be lying to say if, you know, I knew exactly what was going on. Uh, I think it's obviously going to take uh, Sony some time to get uh, acclimated to the new system. There will be some question marks in terms of whether or not he's a good fit in their system. But obviously they traded for him. Uh, they saw something in him. Uh, they saw him run all over them in the Super Bowl. Uh, and one reason why they lost that Super Bowl. So, you know, it'll be interesting. Uh, the recent injury scare with Henderson – you know, may have been like a tipping point, I think, for the coaching staffs mm -hmm. to uh, finally go ahead and break the seal and uh, look to uh, acquire Sony. And we saw that New England had pretty much, you know, like we talked about, been showcasing them uh, throughout the uh, preseason. So question is, you know, is this a uh, RBBC? Is there going to be a 1A or 1B? It's, it's, it's honestly going to be tough. So I think it's one of those situations, unless you're getting, you know, these guys at uh, – at some uh, pretty uh, low value, I, I'm likely just, you know, staying away at this point. So, you know, for all those who were taking victory laps about the uh, late round Henderson shares, uh, now, you know, you're kind of getting hit with a hard dose of reality. And this, is, this won't be the first situation. 
Uh, this one involved a trade, but there'll be other situations that involve injuries. We've already seen that with Travis Etienne. And there'll be other uh, situations that just involve us misreading a situation or being inaccurate on what we thought a certain running back or maybe even wide receiver, et cetera, uh, what their workload was going to be, what their target share was going to be. So uh, this is the NFL, and this is kind of what we love about it. There's a lot of parity that goes, that's involved. There's a lot of variables in play. So absolutely significant. And then on the Patriots end, I don't, you know, anytime you remove a player from a situation, it can only be a plus for those other players. How much of an increase it is for Damian Harris, I honestly don't know. And I think if anything, you see his ADP rise. I'm not, I wasn't buying before and I'm likely not buying uh, now for sure. I think James White is actually the person who benefits the most. Mm -hmm. uh, we see a situation now where he may be the uh, primary pass catching back, the hurry up back, the third down back, someone who's well trusted, who's been entrenched in the system, who is very familiar with the system and who is very, very trusted in the system. So especially in a situation where you have a potentially a rookie quarterback coming in, you, you got to believe that the uh, offensive coordinators and the head coach are going to feel very, very comfortable uh, having him out there to help out. So uh, definitely this affected, uh, you know, both teams and uh, will uh, have a significant impact on draft boards moving forward. So you brought up Travis Etienne. Dio, he's out for the season. Relevant or irrelevant, that injury with, with the Jaguars? I mean, it's obviously relevant just considering where he was being drafted. He was being drafted in the fifth round, fourth, fifth, sixth round um, at points and during the, the draft season. And people were taking him um, in some instances, especially if you had like a, a zero running back build, people were taking him as their main running back. Um, people were comfortable with him as their running back too. Um a first-round running back. You know, the only other first-round running back was Najee, who was being taken in the first, second round. So people had high hopes for him, mm -hmm. um, especially excited with that new offense that the Jaguars were going to have, that people weren't really sure what it was going to be yet. Um, but you heard he was getting all these um, passing, um, like receiving work. Um, and, you know, we, we typically play a PPR-type um, format, so getting that receiving work does benefit the running back. So it's definitely relevant. Um, it also is something that affected um, James Robinson's value. Um, a lot of the angst people had as far as James Robinson, including myself, was the fact that um, the the Jaguars had so much extra um, competition in the backfield this year compared to last year. Um, new offensive system <clears throat> that, that, that coach brought in a running back he had history with. Um, they drafted a running back in the first round, so people were kind of a little bit um, nervous as far as what they can get from James Robinson this year. With ETN gone, obviously that totally changes things. Um, even Carlos Hyde, he doesn't really seem like much of a threat. He's going to be used. You don't want to just totally ignore him. But he doesn't seem like somebody that's going to be utilized a lot or the majority. Um, so, you know, James Robinson's value does – skyrocket to some extent. And I say to some extent because um, personally, I'm a little nervous about that offense. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not so much talking about what I've seen in their preseason games, more so what I just kind of have known, but was kind of, I don't want to say assuming, but maybe hoping it would change or improve. Specifically, we are talking about the team that had the worst record last year. Mm -hmm. um, so you can consider them probably the worst team in the NFL last year. 
what did they do since last year? Brought in a whole bunch of young talent, um, kind of are going through a rebuild, if you will. Um, they don't really have any any like um, proven type stars on their team. Um, on top of that, their offensive line was an issue last year. They didn't really improve that. And again, not to say that preseason was what put me on this, but preseason just kind of more showed me that I don't think that offensive line is, has improved. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, the offense, the, the offense in general, we still really don't know what they're going to be. I mean, we know Urban is there. He's had success at Florida and Ohio State, but we still don't know what they're going to put on the field. Um, and they're going to have growing pains. I mean, you can expect that. So, to some extent, it helps. I mean, it does help James Robinson. I don't know how much I would value him now. I think he's probably too too expensive for my taste right now. Where would you take him? Um, Standard redraft. That's a good PPR. question. We're not talking about FFPC? FFPC. Okay, PPR, FFPC. Um, home leagues. Give I'd probably take him in the fourth, fifth. Okay. Fourth, fifth, but I think he's probably going in the third right now, and I, and I wouldn't be surprised. Hmm. He's going to background of third, early fourth. I yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd probably take him more yeah. in the fourth. Now I will say fifth. this about the Jaguars' offense, at least from a preseason standpoint: uh, the offensive line they've had some injuries, so I think they've been without three starters uh, in the you know at least the last preseason game. So you know some of the issues may you know they had backups playing. Now hopefully okay. those guys are healthy to start the year. Uh, I also think, you know, they were very just vanilla uh, with... Oh, yeah, they were they definitely were vanilla. But at some point, your offense needs to move the ball. So it's it's not, you know, ideal in terms of what you want to see. They also didn't really have, you know, they didn't have DJ Chark, who's another field stretcher, who kind of opens things up. Uh, hopefully with, you know, Urban naming Trevor the starter week one, him not getting all the first team reps, uh, I don't know whether or not they plan on playing their starters in the uh, final preseason game, but this is definitely one of those offenses, and the price is built into this. So it's not like you know you're paying, uh, except with James Robinson, and I'm not yeah. paying that third round, fourth round price. But the um, the price is built into all the other players, yeah. given where they're going. So yeah. it's one of those where you know when you get into those later rounds, you know there is some hope, wish. Uh, yeah. you know, optimism factor that goes into play in, you know, in, in trying to tell yourself a story that fits right. to why this player may help you uh, throughout the uh, fantasy football season. Now, now real quick, because I'm sorry, I don't mean to do this, but I kind of want to go back to the last subject we had. Because mm-hmm. when you first started talking about um, Sony, for some reason my mind was focusing on Sony and the Patriots backfield. And I totally disregarded what it does to the Rams' backfield until he mm-hmm. started talking about it. So it just had me thinking. But um, we, can, we can make a lot of assumptions at this point as far as what's going to happen. But I really think nobody has any clue what can happen, and it can go any way. Agreed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so it's agreed. like everybody can, quote, unquote, take victory laps or say this is what is going to happen or X, Y, Z is how it's going to play out. But in reality, I mean, it's like – the Marvel multi-universe. Like, it can go yeah. any way. What if? what if? Yeah, it can literally go any way. <laughs> found a way to bring in Marvel. <laughs> because I say that because, okay, you look at somebody like Sony. This is a first-round running back just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yep. Um, he has had the knee um, issues. arthritis issues. But when he's played, I mean, I think he was playing his rookie year. And, you know, the Patriots usually don't yes. play their mm-hmm. rookies. Yes. 
So he was playing from the jump, and he was succeeding. Yeah. Now he's missed games, and you yeah. know the best ability is availability, and he didn't mm-hmm. he didn't have that. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of faulting him. But like you said, they were showcasing him during this preseason. Mm-hmm. He didn't look bad. No, and which he is was why, catching passes too. Which is why last week I was so surprised when I said they were playing him in the third quarter because they were playing him in the first, second, and third. Yeah. Typically, you don't see that in the second round. Now that we know he was on the trading block, it, it makes more sense. But he looked good. And look, this is Belichick playing four-dimensional chess. When yeah. was the last time you saw uh, Sonny Michelle playing third down, catching passes out yeah. of the backfield, being oh, yeah. targeted three to four times he, in he, a half? He amped him up. I mean, he, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> he I mean, other players, tough. you know, may get showcased, but nobody does it like no, that. No, no, he looked good. Like he looked, he looked so good. Yeah. Where I was starting yeah. to wonder about my Damian Harris love, you know, right, like right. Dang, yeah. because one of the part of the reasons I was high on Damian Harris from the jump was because I expected Sony to. Cause there were there was murmurs he was gonna get cut. Remember that? There were too many running backs in that mm-hmm. in that running back room. Yeah, they keep on a roster. They, they were saying he was gonna be gone. Yeah. So the fact that he was looking so good, like maybe that's not gonna happen. But anyways, so back to um, the uh, the Ram side of it. So Sony has the pedigree. He's looked good. Mm-hmm. Darrell, he's had injury issues, which we talked about. Right. You know, like literally every year of his career, and this is gonna be his third year. He's had injury problems in season and off season. Yeah. Um, he just got hurt the other day. Yeah, you know now he's practicing, but he's in a red non-contact um jersey, so they're trying to take it easy with him. You're getting ready for the season. You, yeah. you can't. It's right around have the contact with your running back. Like, come on. Yeah, and and not to mention they lost Raymond Calais mm-hmm. the preseason game. Yeah, that I mean. I he um, I mean, it's not a big yeah. deal, but it's just another knock. Yeah, yeah. to the running back yeah. room. The um, move completely. I mean, the move makes sense, and I think. You know, sometimes your first reaction, your gut reaction, your first instincts are are correct in some ways because I think when we first talked about this, we were very we were very much under the assumption that they were going to bring somebody. Yeah, in. They, we, as we said who, especially if yeah, there was an injury, they yeah, have to bring like somebody. They got to bring yeah. somebody yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they finally did bring somebody in. You know, it was a little bit late, but I I hundred percent agree with what you said. Like we have no idea where now, this may go. Exactly. So because we can literally see it played out three different ways. Mm-hmm. We can see it where. They brought Sony in. They don't trust Darrell. Sony is healthy. He's going to be their guy. Yeah. Because it's not really that hard for a running back to really get acclimated to a system. They did it with C.J. Anderson. He yeah. literally mm-hmm. called like, him off the couch. Like running backs have numbers for the holes. Yeah. Just run through this number hole and you're good. I mean, you know, you have different uh, blocking schemes. But as far as just run the yeah. ball, it is the same thing. So he could become the lead back out the jump. You know, and I think I've heard Adam Schefter maybe had a quote today saying, that um, they plan for Sony to be the lead guy. Well, he said he said that he could be the lead guy. Right. Okay. Yeah. You gotta be yeah. careful. Be careful with Adam Schefter <clears throat> quotes because sometimes he will. It's not, it's not an issue with Adam Schefter. It's how people like take, take his it. quote. Yeah. Because they did the same thing with his Dak Prescott. He or his uh, Dak Prescott Prescott. You know, uh, quote. Yeah. He didn't report that Dak Prescott was going to be. You know. Uh, not 100% throughout the season. That was just his opinion. Got you. And he gotcha. later, like, you know, went back multiple times and said, look, I'm not saying don't draft Dak Prescott. I'm not saying that, you know, you know, he's not going to, like, produce and, you know, be an elite quarterback. He's right. just saying that, you know, based off of just kind of his just own assumption coming off an ankle injury, right. the sh- you know, the, that the slatissimus injury that, you know, maybe that he's not going to be 100%. Right. So, so, so it could be played out that way. Yeah. It could be played out where Darrell is still the man. He's a guy that knows the system, been there two mm-hmm. years. They're just getting support for him. I mean, Sony was going to be support to Damian, right? Mm-hmm. So he could be playing that same role for Durrell, you know, just to support depth. Yeah. Okay. Or it could be a situation where it's a platoon. 
Yeah. They use both of them. They yeah. interchange their running backs, and yeah. we've seen them do that. Yeah. So it literally can be anything. Anybody that says they know, unless they have like a straight connection to Sean McVay, they're lying. Yeah. You and know? Sean McVay may not even know. He may not. He might he let us play, play out. You so know. So don't don't waste high draft picks and high draft capital on these guys is what I would say. Yeah. If you want to, I mean, if you feel like you have a certain bill and you want to take a shot because you really love the talent of a Henderson in this offense, or you feel like you've been a Sony Michelle truther, shout out to uh, Sony Michelle truther. That- yeah, we had we, <laughs> yeah, we had we had one who uh, reached out to us who was very a adamant Sony about Michelle oh, yeah, yeah, truther yeah, 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 being yeah. Uh, you know those exist uh, being a three down. Back. I mean, he, you know, he, you know, whether or not you agree with it, he was a first round pick. So, is, is this skill talent that much different than Darrell Henderson? Oh, absolutely. They, they, they're very different types of backs. Uh, so, and, and this is the thing about Henderson. This is why I was taking him. Number one, for the most part, I'm just looking at the running back, the lead running back in the Rams, Rams offense, system. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I wanted that. That's why Henderson to me was appealing. Because mm-hmm. in certain bills, when you're getting, especially if you're getting them in the fifth round, mm-hmm. I felt like that was value at so the current So it goes stage. to what we were talking about last week then. Yeah. The talent and situation exactly. mm-hmm. paradox. Exactly. So it was you were going with the situation right there. The, and, and now was, the situation yeah. has completely changed. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you have to, you have to like, you know, you, this is not a prideful game. This is not a, man, I'm on Darrell Henderson. I'm going to like ride this, you know, till I die. I'm going to die on this hill. I don't care about dying on any hills. I have no issues stating when I'm no, wrong no, you, or switching up my. You, you, you gotta. You, you gotta, gotta be yeah. like water. Yeah, you like gotta Bruce Lee. Like, yeah. <laughs> you gotta be like water. Embrace the chaos. That's my thing. Embrace the chaos. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, this is a uh, but a hundred percent like you know go into this situation understanding that literally anything can happen. Yeah. And this is the thing. You could win both ways. Because mm-hmm. both these guys have injury issues, mm-hmm. so if you de- if you drafted Darrell Henderson, no matter in the how it starts, round, it can end up totally different. Yeah, or you drafted him in the yeah. fifth round, yeah, he yeah. could still be a league winner. Yeah, yeah. And if you end up, you know, drafting Michelle, uh, or you drafted him earlier on in the eighteenth round, uh, and you thought you had a steal, and now he's, you know, maybe you thinking he's maybe in a platoon or maybe even the lead back. Yeah, he could kill you multiple weeks because maybe he's just a you know a mm-hmm. two down back and he's getting sixty to seventy yards a game yeah, yeah, yeah. with no receptions. Yeah, so. You got to understand, like, sometimes that's why players like this, that's why, you know, when it comes to roster construction, it's very important in terms of having guys yeah. you feel comfortable in your starting lineup because this is a situation that I want to see play out for the first few weeks, get some information, and then be able to kind of make more informed decisions as I go forward. And, and one more point before we move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't let me not bring up Damian Harris. I do think this does benefit him. Maybe not a whole bunch because, again, when I first initially was talking about Harris, I expected Sony to be gone. So it's almost like it's just now playing out the way I kind of envision. Um, but Damian Harris's ADP was rising. I was mm-hmm. seeing him going as high as a six, maybe in the fifth. Hmm. When I was talking about him, he was more so going in the eighth and ninth. And for me, it was more of a value of a guy I could see being a main back that you could take late. Once value is gone, the, the allure is not there anymore for certain players. You know, we kind of... Uh, talked about that during this week. Um, you know, we we talk up or we hype up players because they're a value, but once they're not a value, we, we don't hype them up yeah. as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but now with this news, um, I'm guessing Damian Harris's value will keep going up. I don't know. Sixth, seventh round? Maybe? I can't. I, can't. I, I, I think he'll probably settle in seventh round fairly easily. Seventh and is and not you may, and you may bad. Sixth round. Sixth, I don't know if I can do. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, it's it's tough – 
you know, if you've been drafting all offseason, whether it's right. best ball, right. best ball or right. redraft, you get a guy at value, and now you're thinking to yourself, man, I was able to get him three to four round earlier. Right. And there's a lot that's in play there. You know, sometimes that's where he should be going, or yeah. he may still be a value. Maybe yeah. you, you know, maybe you're still or, getting him at a round value. Or another thing is injuries occur and guys are taken off the board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so everything kind of condenses and, a little exactly, bit. Exactly. Exactly. And then also, I mean, it's just a shuffle of the deck. Yeah. yeah. These same players are going. Yeah. If somebody that was in the, that was in the eighth round is going in the fifth now, that means somebody that was going in the fifth is probably going a little bit lower. Yeah. But he's still there. You yeah. know, so now I got you. But yeah. All right, guys. So let's move on. Let's talk about Adam Trotman. Um, oh. Is slated to miss a few. <laughs> I didn't weeks. even know this was on the show sheet. Yes, yes. Adam Trotman. I know that you're high on. I blocked this out. No, uh, man. Okay. We got to talk about it. Relevant or irrelevant, and also, how does this affect the targets to? Callaway, because I think two of us were on Marquez Callaway. So, <laughs> uh, so obviously, the, any injury is relevant that uh, requires multiple weeks because you never know if there's going to be a setback. Now, they uh, say it's going to be a few weeks, but he's getting yeah. all these second opinions. Yeah. I hate when they talk about yeah, they, opinions, like, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but they're saying three weeks. So, he's not gone forever. Yeah. He's not even gone for a long time. So, yeah. definitely take that into account. So, and then also, you know, Nick Vanette. Had a little bit of an injury uh, as well. Obviously, this is a, a, a tight end room that has seen a number of tight ends uh, depart from the 2020 yeah. season. So we all looked at Troutman as, okay, you know, uh, the ceiling ceiling. And I don't think anybody thought he was going to reach the ceiling ceiling, which was Jimmy Graham status. But we at least were hoping for, like, a Jared Cook, you know, somebody getting a majority of the targets, a healthy Jared Cook, someone who could play the entire season. And so – you know, what we saw throughout the, you know, particularly, you know, the you know, second preseason game and the first preseason game was the usage was not necessarily what I wanted to see. And I, thought, I think I talked about it last, last podcast, which is what I wanted to see him in the next preseason game really uh, start to run more routes. You know, targets, you know, I at least need to see the quarterback look your way. <laughs> to me, that gives me some idea of kind of what the progression is and things like that. And I understand these aren't plays that they may necessarily be running uh, through the regular season, but I at least wanted to see that. Instead, what I saw was Jawan Johnson, okay? And this has been a guy that has been getting buzz in camp. And part of what I was doing was ignoring it to some degree because Troutman was out. He was actually injured, I think, in during OTAs or at the early part of training camp to begin with. So it wasn't like he's been practicing and healthy this entire time. So – Jawan Johnson is a, uh, you know, converted wide receiver. Um, There may not be a tight end in this offense, but from a Troutman standpoint, definitely, you know, he was somebody that at times I was reaching for. He's one of those guys that, okay, I I want to try to acquire because I was trying to build up my shares. I I felt like I was very underweight uh, and and, and didn't want to miss out. But he's definitely somebody that right now I am letting fall, but I will still take a chance on. I think I took him actually in the 14th round of a main event, uh, and uh, <laughs> I think I packed him up with Juwan Johnson. <laughs> um, yeah. I, mean, y'all, I mean, y'all know how I feel about preseason, <laughs> yeah. so that, that really didn't bother me too much. As far as Juwan Johnson, he was, he was taking advantage of his opportunities, but again, he's a wide receiver playing tight end. He's a, he's a wide receiver initial trade, so he should be good running routes and catching. Um, so that wasn't a surprise. Now, but that's what we want our wide. That's what we want our tight end. No, no, I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm yeah. not knocking Juwan. I, yeah. I like him actually. I do yeah. like him as a prospect because, like you just said, that's what we want. Yeah. Um, but that didn't put make me lower on Troutman because 
to me, the talent is still there. So it's not a talent issue. Yeah. Um, it could be a situation where they play both of them or, you know, they, they share the load. We don't know. We don't. But there's not many options in New Orleans right now. Point blank period. They need playmakers. Mm-hmm. They need talent. Troutman is talented. What bothers me right now is Troutman can't seem to stay healthy, you know, and that wasn't a concern. I didn't think he had injury concerns in the past, uh, but if that's going to be an issue, eventually he's they're going to start looking a different direction. Mm-hmm. And if Juwan keeps showing up, Juwan might take that job. Now, Juwan, again, being a wide receiver, he's going to have to get used to blocking because they do plan to run the ball. Um, shout out to Tony Jones. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, we'll get back to that another time. But yeah, they do want to run the ball. So if Juwan Johnson is going to be out there, he's going to have to block. Um, I've mentioned this before. Yeah, I'm gonna say it one more time. I would not be surprised if, again, y'all know I think Winston should and probably will win the job. Don't be surprised if Taysom Hill is playing a lot more tight end. Oh, absolutely. You if, know? If Winston, yeah. So, so, uh, so what's happening is now you're having all these other guys in the room yeah. because Troutman is not taking control of the job. Yeah. I think if Troutman was out there and did his thing, they wouldn't worry about the tight end position. Yeah. You know, but th- that's where my concern is. I'll this, still- is what, this is what I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm hopeful that Bennett is the blocking tight end and Troutman is, you know, a tight end that can split out. We're I really, it's crazy. We, we don't know. We I don't didn't know. even know Vanette was on the Saints, yeah. honestly. So that was kind of like, oh, wow, he's there. Yeah. But, um, but I, don't, I don't see Juwan, like, line, you know, blocking. Like, I mean, at, Juwan, not to stay. He, at least Trout, Troutman, you know, he showed in the senior bowl and, you know, kind of at least per scout reports that, that he could block. No, no, he definitely And they can. love him as he, a blocker. He, he, he showed last can. year based off, you know, his grading that he could block. And, that's, and I think, you know, he, again, he showed a little bit too well that he could block. Yeah, yeah. So, no, and, and Jawan is still learning the position. Yeah, he was yeah, just recently yeah. converted over. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's going to take time for him. A Jacob Harris looking, type. Um, yeah. I don't know if Jacob Harris played a little tight end in college. Maybe he didn't, or they maybe used him that way. Yeah. Um, it's going to take Jawan Johnson some time, but Troutman just needs to come back and take, like, take control of that job. So, so. so right now you're saying buy the dip. Okay, so for me, when I was – it's kind of the same discussion we just had a second ago. When I was taking Troutman, I was taking him more the 11th, 12th round. Well, now you can get him in the 14th. He was going. He didn't start to creep up to the 10th and 9th. If you're telling me he's going in the 14th now, yes. You're buying a dip. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely We need, we need to dip. hear you say it. I'm definitely buying a dip. Okay. You're, you're taking, you're taking, <laughs> because, because what's happening is you're taking a yeah. tight end that has high upside that could eventually yeah. be the man in all this preseason or whatever's going yeah. on now would just be irrelevant. In the fourteenth round, yeah, this is one of those situations that is completely unknown. So if you're throwing like darts in these later rounds, where yeah, you got these because large those are the guys leagues. that you're probably going to drop anyway if they yeah, don't work out. Yeah. So I'm not saying take a high pick. Now I'm definitely not going to take him in the eighth. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right? Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. So, but that's where he was kind of going now. The yeah. ninth. So you know, no, no, no. But but I st- I still like him. The thing, and I'll get on my soul back on preseason another time. But the thing about preseason is. Once the season starts to play out, we forget everything that happened in the preseason. Mm-hmm. It's like it, nothing mattered in that preseason. It's like a, a whole nother game. So yeah, w- even like the Marquez Callaway, you know, him, you know, exploding. No, no, he like, looked good. I, he, he looked good. He looked and good. He, that's he, exactly how I thought he could look. He looked damn good. When we yeah. talked about him, we talked about him from a standpoint of, okay, you know, he can run the underneath routes. Right. 
he's not a burner, no. but he can but he can make contested catches. Right. And when right. you go and look at his like YouTube collegiate highlights, what you saw Monday night is exactly what you saw in Big college. Target. Yeah. So, so, but yeah. he ain't never did it in in the game. He was a rookie. He was yeah. a rookie. Yeah. Okay. But no, no. He's when a he got, when, guy when he now, got so. the opportunity, he showed up. Because I went back and looked at it. I think his like I think his like reception per target or whatever the percentage. I, I think mean, it was like something like ninety percent. Like he forget he the stats, dead. the eye test. He looked like a star out there. Yeah. No. Yeah. He looked like like that year. Yeah. I don't want to go that far. No, no, no. He did. He played. He played. I'm not saying he was a star, but he looked like. He looked like somebody that you could see being like a I, main I guy. I can't go that far. I can't go that far. Well, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of players who are just kind of average make a lot of great plays. No, no, no I, I agree. But what I'm literally saying is the game we just saw, he looked the part. I'm mm-hmm. not saying yeah. that's him. I'm not saying he could continue it. But well, I know I'm not getting any Marquez Callaway. Oh no, no, no! It's going, too late. Eight, yeah, he's going. No, in the no, eight, it's too. It's seventh, too late. And but we you have know, no idea. That's another thing. You know, Michael Thomas, we don't we really you know don't what? know when he's coming back or how healthy he's gonna be. Is he right. so if you're drafting Marquez Callaway in the eighth, ninth round, you gotta ask yourself, okay, am I drafting him knowing that I'm only gonna have him for half the season? Or do I just feel no, like Michael I think, Thomas is not gonna be there then? I think you have I don't the really whole want season. the so what? I think if if he produces the way everybody is assuming he's gonna produce, I think he'll be there the whole season with Michael Thomas there. Eighth round pick worth an eighth round pick? No, 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 no. Okay, that's, no, that's, no. that's, that's but that's, but yeah. people that are taking him in eighth round, they they look at him as somebody that they can use, and I think he'll still be usable yeah. when Michael Thomas. comes A savvy back. move would have been like I to think draft still Thomas t- and Callaway. That'd have been a savvy. Yeah, but move. Thomas himself is still going in like the eighth round. Yeah, eighth, ninth. but I'm saying I, beforehand, you could have drafted Thomas in the eighth round, and you could have got Callaway in the twelfth and thirteenth yeah. round. Some I of still, my drafts have him. I mean, like, not drafted at all. Who? Callaway. We don't need to go into that. Oh, you're talking about the old drafts? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. He was, he was unknown. Because remember, Michael Thomas was still supposed to be right, back. Right. But don't forget about Traquan. Just don't. Traquan. All right. Yeah, he didn't right. even play. Yeah, he didn't play. That's he, the thing. That's, yeah. and that's, and that's, He's going to come and, back at some and point. That's, you know, even though I was on Traquan or uh, on Callaway beforehand, like, to me, that – I like that's a situation where I didn't pay much attention to the preseason. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it literally changed none of my view on Callaway. I didn't get more excited. Yeah. I didn't feel a need to take a victory lap and say, "Oh, that's my guy." Because number one, Traquan didn't play. Right. Number two, they were playing against I think backups. I don't know. I think they were playing against backups. Who were playing the Jaguars? Keep or they they were playing backups, or they were playing against the Jaguars. The roster, Either or they were yeah, playing. Yeah. yeah. The roster, so the roster. irrespective, like, and they were in, in, in it's the preseason. So you you know these catches like. You know, there was like single high safety, and he was like single covered, and it was basically him versus you know like a backup or. I mean, the way court. I see it, I'm not. I mean, I you know I'm not drawing. Too the way much I see that. it, they they didn't target anybody else that I can recall. Can y'all recall them targeting any other Saints receiver? They Saints have no other receiver. They have exactly. no other receiver. <laughs> so so eventually, Traquan will be back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He, he's talented. He's going to get some kind of work Absolutely. to be determined how much, but he's going to be utilized. Kamara will be back. Yeah, you know, Kamara play. Troutman will be back. Tony Jones. Speaking of Tony Jones, real quick, dynasty people. Man, across all my dynasty leagues, I've seen him going, going crazy amounts of fab. Like, hmm. I think he's the Kamara backup. That's what I think. Again, I said it last week, man. If no, they, I mean, not the handcuff. 
So I think it's I think this no no is, I, know, I know what you're saying yeah yeah so yeah. I think it's like Kamara you're in a Kamara role yeah it's yeah it's it's Kamara and Latavius is what I'm assuming I still, and I think I think he's the backup to Kamara. Y'all Kamara know what I said last week? Don't be surprised if Murray's uh, let go. That sounds like a hit. Yeah. Is he gonna be let go? Don't be surprised. Yeah. Is he gonna be let go? I'm, okay, let's put it like this. I'm not drafting Murray at all, <laughs> okay, but I'm taking Tony go. Jones. Okay, there you, okay. So take okay, right, take cool. him however okay, you want to okay, take okay, it. Okay, okay. Let's stay on tight ends for a second. TJ Hawk going really high in drafts. We talked about him last week about whether is he the fourth or fifth tight end off the board. He's banged up right now. Relevant or irrelevant? Uh, it sounds like he's healthy. No, he's back now. Yeah, he, he's he back. Practiced. He's back and healthy. He's, he's banged up initially. Uh, you know, whether or not he should be going. It was a going. shoulder, an AC, um, yeah. AC joint. Actually, I talked to Dr. Reyes about that AC joint oh, okay. and whether that's okay. going to be lingering throughout the season. Let's play that clip for a second. Okay. TJ Hawkinson actually suffered a shoulder injury on August 10th during practice. Most reports showed that he was uh, going for a pass, either go, uh, taken to the ground or uh, diving for the ball, and the cornerback landed on top of him. And so in most cases, when the shoulder hits the ground, especially when you're diving, the shoulder is going to go down and hit the ground, and it's usually going to hit over this AC joint. And so most commonly, the AC joint is the one sprained or damaged. Um, depending on what ligaments were damaged would then include grade one, grade two, grade three. You can have bruising to the bone itself or you can have bruising to the muscle. And so any of those are possibilities that could happen when you were taken down to the ground. Um, even possible damage to the shoulder joint itself. We call it the glenohumeral joint. And so those are all possibilities. He is actually back at practice um, on Monday, um, this past Monday, and so he is actually wearing a red non-contact jersey uh, during this time, and so he was able to go through some team drills and walkthroughs. And um, however, they're going to be looking to ramp up his activity over this next week, barring any setbacks. Um, he has actually missed preseason one and preseason two. I anticipate that they might uh, keep him out on week three, but will definitely be ready for that week one opener. So even though he's banged up preseason, all injuries matter. Mm -hmm. Do you still see TJ Hawk the same as you did before? Is he still fourth or fifth tight end off the board? Yes, most definitely. This is not going to matter in two weeks, and the season will be here in two weeks. So um, the way I viewed TJ Hawkinson here's what last I don't week, I still because we made a big way. deal about this in our teaser a couple episodes back. Y'all said all injuries matter. Yeah. This is there's an extra game this season. A guy is already banged up in preseason. Look, Man, this is a long season. Like, how does that not okay. matter? How does that everybody not at some point your ADP? This of... needs to be said. Okay, people, listen. This is the NFL. Nobody is hundred percent exactly. healthy. Exactly. Everybody ever. by the end of the season <laughs> ever is going to be like the Walking Nobody Dead. Nobody is hundred percent healthy. Yes, towards the ever towards the no, end of the no, season. No, yes, no, no. I want week one. Coming out of week one, nobody They're will be 100%. They're probably hurt right now. They're probably hurt right now. Nobody is 100% healthy. Okay? Don't get so, – I mean, when we say it's relevant, you, it's a data point. Sometimes it's really significant depending on the injury. Sometimes it's minor. Sometimes it's – You know, the biggest barometer for me, mm -hmm. how are they practicing? Yeah. That, that's practicing. really all that he's matters. Practicing. Because he could be – his leg, leg could be cut off. If he's full go, 11 on 11s, 
He's good for me. Okay, that's a day of quote. He's good for me. All right. Do we have DeAndre so, Swift? Are we talking let's about Let's talk him? about DeAndre Swift for okay. a second. So DeAndre Swift. He's the one to talk about DeAndre yeah, so Swift. So this, this, Swift. this, this I mean. Talk about the quote. Talk Go. about DeAndre Swift. I don't really want to talk, but this is, I mean, this is, this kind of goes along the lines of what we've been talking about. Okay. He's mm-hmm. been out with the groin. Unlike TJ Hawkinson. You got to give people background. Like, where is this coming, stemming from? I'm, I'm, that's where I'm going. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I thought you were just diving right into it. Right, no, okay, so ahead. he's obviously he's been out or limited in practice with a groin injury, and so Dan Campbell came out and said, "Oh, you know, I'm really concerned about his conditioning. I'm concerned whether or not he's going to be ready for us week one." And people took that and just ran with it, and they just took that one little quote and assumed that he was going to be out week one or out week two, etc. When literally nothing has changed about DeAndre Swift's situation. If anything, if you read the entire quote, which also said that they were going to ramp up his activity, that he was going to get a heavy workload in that very same practice, mm-hmm. if anything, his situation has improved. So this is, this is one of those things on multiple levels. This is why we always preach, hashtag stay ready. Because if you knew DeAndre Swift had a groin injury and you were concerned about him practicing, then you shouldn't be taking him at you know, and you then you shouldn't have been taking him in the third round anyway. I necessarily, I wasn't necessarily that concerned with it, but this news should not have affected your ADP at least in a negative way. If it, again, this is a situation where he is ramping up activity, he is practicing more than what he was beforehand. So for me, this is good news. I am a hundred percent buying the dip on DeAndre Swift. I'm seeing him go in the fourth rounds now. That just makes me want to draft more. Every time I think I'm done, they pull me back in, okay? <laughs> so this, I mean, seeing fourth round DeAndre Swift, like I get jealous. You right. Know? People post, post these boards and people really aren't even like looking at it. I'm like, DeAndre Swift in the fourth round. <sighs> Let me sign up for another one. So again, it's one thing to be concerned about DeAndre Swift, his role, the player, et cetera. Or before this, you were just concerned about the injury and maybe his just injury concerns overall. We know he has a history of concussions. But this quote is fluff. Fluff comes in positive and it comes in negative. This was negative fluff. Dan Campbell himself, uh, you know, when they reported this, you know, they reported the fact that he was, they were going to increase his workload, Okay. It didn't say that he was going to miss week one and miss week two. He said he was concerned about his conditioning. I took this basically, and again, you can go online and Google it. I took it more as, okay, look, the guy really, like we're relying on this guy. He hasn't really been practicing. And he specifically said conditioning. He said, I'm concerned about his conditioning. I'm concerned where he's going to be week one, et cetera. So, yeah, maybe they want to limit him week one because of his conditioning. But guess what? We're like two to three weeks away from the season. So, for me, I'm buying, especially if you're telling me he ramped up his his workload. Until I hear the word setback, I keep using that word setback. Setback. And to be but, honest, Dr. Carlos Reyes pretty much said the same thing. I got I mean, a chance to talk to him. You don't even need to listen to Dr. Carlos Reyes. You don't Reyes. need to talk to him. I'm just saying, listen. No, I got like you. Setback, he, he essentially said okay, the same thing. Okay, let's listen to Carlos. Let's listen to Carlos. And you want to listen to Carlos? No, no. Let's listen to Carlos. Go ahead. Go ahead. I get a little heated with something. Let me play the clip because, I mean, I'm interested because it's something that, I mean, remember with injuries for me, I don't really care when they say he'll be back. I just know he's dealing with the injury. I don't really know his practice reports. For some reason, I haven't really been able to cross that. Is he, if he's getting, if he's back, back, then cool. But if he's still kind of work his, working him, himself back, then it's still the DeAndre Swift watch for me. Um, yeah. I think the biggest, bigger concern is, and what it's kind of always been for me with Swift is Jamal Williams 
However way that's going to play out, I don't know, but he's going to be used. Um, maybe talent will, will prevail and Swift will be the guy regardless. Um, but we've just been getting weird. This is, this is, my, counter, this is my counter to that, okay? People are willing to take Austin Eckler number three overall. Mm-hmm. You're a dynasty guy. Who's a better running back? That's a good question, man. They're, they're, okay, who has the better not, pedigree? The better pedigree is Swift. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So, who would you say has the better offensive line? I might say oh, the and Chargers. We can say, no, it's close. They, to, they it's, both have good offensive line. I mean, you're, you're talking about two I'm players about, that I'm almost, talking about 2020, the 2020, 2020, 2019. Who had the better offensive line? I'm assuming it's the Lions from compared the to Yeah, compared to the Lions now versus Austin Eckler before. Yeah, probably the Lions. And I yeah. and I don't know how good the Chargers offensive line. I know they got a lot of pieces in. We love that, but there's a lot of young bodies, not a lot of continuity. Just be, you know, we can't just assume that they're gonna be a great offense. They got great yeah. pieces, but we don't necessarily know they're gonna be a great offensive line. But either way, so I'm looking at the Lions team that has a better offensive line than what Austin Eckler has had in the past. Right. They have the same offensive coordinator. They we're looking at a running back who has a better pedigree. I think DeAndre Swift is a better running back than Austin. I mean, you're, you're, you're so my my thing is like if you're willing to take Austin Eckler, these people take him, you know, three, four, five overall, and then we're we're worried about Jamal. Austin Eckler played with Melvin Gordon and I still mean, put you're, up you're, you know, elite numbers. You're, you're having the you're you're having the debate about DeAndre Swift's value just in general, and you know we've had that debate before. And it is what it is. Everybody kind of has their views, mm-hmm. and he was being taken where he was taken. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I'm more saying is from what you're saying now, this specific injury or quote from the coach has made his value adjust one way or another. And it shouldn't. What but, I'm saying but, but, is but, if you've looked at the practice report, he's been limited, right. limited, not participating right. in team uh, activities, out preseason. But, but what and I'm then saying, you have this quote. And then at the end of the quote, which no one like, which they just, you know, every Twitter report I cut out, said that they were ramping up and giving him a heavy you. workload I in that you. very practice. But what I'm saying is that quote or that information right there, to me, shouldn't be what's adjusting his ADP. Because if it is an injury that's not that bad, again, if you're saying he's practicing, he'll be back, even if it's not week one, week yeah. two, week three. And once week six is here, you'll look back and say it wasn't even that big of a deal. He missed a week or so. That shouldn't be the thing to me that swaying his ADP. So if there is a dip now due to that and you were on the swift train, I would say take advantage of it. But, again, I think the thing that should be affecting his ADP more so is just the surrounding news is going around his role. And that's been there for a while, you know, so – I, mean, I think Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon. I just right, and again, it's not a huge people, we've had the Swift discussion all summer. Yeah, ever since the Jamal one A one B quotes were out, so you've kind of, you should have kind of already thought your way through that and kind of decide where you want. I I don't have a problem with Swift, but I can see people that have reservations as far as his value. I can I get it. I'll still draft Swift. I've drafted Swift because for me it's about talent. But some people value talent more. Some people value situation more. Some people take both mm-hmm. into account. You know, it just depends on how I'm feeling that day. You know, but, you but again, I don't think this injury should be the thing yeah. that's making his value go to the fourth you round. You can't like Austin Eckler and not like DeAndre Swift because mm-hmm. both have, have had injury issues. Both basically play for the same offensive coordinator. And DeAndre Swift, the Lions defense is going to be bad. They're going to be, I think, worse than the 
than the Chargers defense. The line is theoretically, in, in my mind, I have the line graded out as better. So, and I don't think Jamal Williams currently was is better than what Melvin Gordon was when he sounds was like a lot of work so. for T.J. Hawkinson. Say what? <laughs> Go ahead though. <laughs> All right, sorry, we've been, we've been keeping the doctor on hold for a while. Man, let's not even play the clip at this point. No, no, we should play the clip. Go ahead. You put work into it. Let's play it. All right, all right. Let's play the clip. DeAndre Swift is an interesting case as well. Um, he most reports showed that he had growing tightness around August fifth during practice. Is one where the earlier reports were stated. Um, ever since then, he's been limited in practice and receiving a lot of rehabilitation and as well as uh, load management. He has not participated in any of the preseason week one, week two. Um, most reports state that it is coming from a groin. And so there are many things that can come from the groin. Um, it could be the adductor muscles that live on the inside of the leg. Um, it can be several other specific muscles that live on the inside, such as a gracilis, pectineus, iliopsoas, which is your hip flexor. And so it can be a number, any number of those things. Um, it can be in the joint itself. And so to speculate what it is, is would be unfair. However, um, it brought, most reports show that he is participating in full practice now, but without contact. Um, they are ramping up his activity uh, to determine whether he can start to increase his intensity um, to also uh, determine if he has enough capacity to withstand the uh, deceleration and cutting movements um, that are necessary, especially during football. And so uh, we're going to be looking that they're going to be wrapping it up over this next week and probably miss week three and then looked for that season one opener push. It's all dependent on well he uh, tolerates cutting, sprinting, uh, being tackled, uh, being pushed, and then also wrapping up his speed and deceleration activities. We're going to be looking and monitoring those reports to make sure that there are no setbacks. This is an injury that does have a high injury of uh, re-aggravating re if they don't allow it to fully heal. And so he does have an opportunity to return to full capacity if they allow it to rest. And so I would look for that week one uh, push for DeAndre Swift. However, um, have a contingency plan if the event that he misses week one I don't expect week two, but just have a, pl a plan in place. All right, guys, I want to talk about roster construction for a second. Let's say that you draft a tight end in the first round, whether it's Kelsey or I'm sorry, Kels or Waller. Let's talk about strategy after that. Like, are you going RB, RB, RB? Are you just kind of filling the board? A.B., I know you like to draft a lot of running backs. We've kind of talked about that and even put out a statement through the Twitter this week. What are you guys' strategies for uh, roster construction after you start with the tight end? I mean, so if I go tight end early, you know, usually you're making that play with the idea that you were locking down an elite player at that position where there's, you know, a scarcity of elite options. So you're basically telling yourself that, okay, I'm going to win every week at the tight end position. And so the idea from that point forward is to build a team that can crush at all positions. Now, clearly you just took a tight end with the first round pick if you win Kelsey and, or Waller in an FFPC. 
or even Waller in the second round in your in your redraft leagues. Or Kittle, I think. Kittle yeah, in the or first. Kittle. So what happens is that now you no longer have that top tier running back, that top tier wide receiver. So from that point on, I'm trying my best to ignore the tight end position unless there is just significant value that falls to me. And I've talked about before, I've had a Kelsey Kittle build, et cetera. I'm someone who obviously, you know, does volume drafting. So I, I you know, at, at points, you know, not a lot, but at points, I do want to try and, you know, maybe create some unique builds, some, you know, I call them fun builds, et cetera. But for the most part, now I'm just trying to maximize at those other positions. I don't necessarily know that you have to go running back right after you go Kelsey. What I'm really targeting is the most elite player at the next position. So if I feel like a top-end wide receiver, top-tier wide receiver falls to me, I'm going to go that route. If I feel like a, you know, a running back who has uh, potential uh, you know, top three RB, overall RB1 uh, potential uh, falls to me, then I'm going to go that route. Definitely later in the draft, you know, in any draft, I like you know, just accumulating as many running backs as possible, running backs that I think can help help me obviously throughout, you know, league winning, handcuffs, et cetera. Uh, but me going Kelsey does not dictate me going running back, running back, running back, because I feel like I'm going to miss out on that position. You know, if I'm weak at RB2, so be it. You know, because again, you're trying to make sure that, you know, if it's, you know, you're starting eight, that at least six to seven of your starting of your starters can beat six to seven of your league mate starters throughout the year on a week to week basis. So it really just depends on what falls to you. I think I really kind of practice more value based drafting at that point. And then you get to a point where like, you know, maybe it's, you know, you end up going two wide receivers. Well, that's when I make that pivot and draft based off positional needs, but I'm not going to reach and grab someone like, uh, you know, you know, who would it be for me? A Josh Jacobs in the fourth round when I'm staring at, you know, someone like Tyler Lockett or uh, Mike Evans, you know, Robert Woods, Cooper Cuff, et cetera, these guys, you know, I'm going to draft those guys. And then when I get to a point where I feel like, okay, you know, I really need to lock in this running back position, then I may pivot off of that. So there's, like, there's always a little bit of transition where there's a teardrop, you know, when it comes to the wide receivers. But you going, you know, tight end early on uh, does not dictate you having to, like, go running back with, you know, next one or two picks. Dio, you start off with Waller back end of the first. What are you doing in those next four rounds? <clears throat> um, so, yeah, you actually spoke on it correctly. I am not probably going to have much Kelsey because mm-hmm. I don't – I'm not a guy that wants to take my tight end super early. Um Kelsey's going like the third, fourth overall right now. In FFPC. Maybe the fifth in yeah. FFPC. And um, redrafts, you know, mid-rounds, mid-to-later first round. Right. Still first round. I, I don't even mm-hmm. think I'm doing with that. But I, I don't see I, – I don't value the tight end position. We're talking about FFPC tight end premium. So, yeah. I, I get why Kelsey's value is that high. I just don't – I don't like my builds when I do that much. Um, back end of the first – that's when you start to see certain running backs that you probably value higher, maybe first-round value falling, um, and you kind of are probably in that 10, 11, 12 hole, and that you know that even if you skip one, that you're going to have one that comes back to you in the second round that you like. So in that, in that situation, I am 
considering going Waller with that first pick. And I like Waller. I like Waller a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm not mad about that build. Um, I've even played some situations where I was able to get Waller in the early second. Um, so I do like that, but to me that's still a top-end running back build. That just is where um, I have also a high-end tight end in, in Waller. Or maybe I'll take Kittle in the second round, whether the mid or the, or the late second. Um, but if, hypothetically speaking, if we do start to talk about taking Kelsey or Waller in that first round, um, I, I don't pigeonhole, kind of like what Abby was saying, I don't pigeonhole mm-hmm. myself into a certain strategy. I then start to look at just straight value, you know. I just want to see what's falling to me because if I have such a high-end tight end, and like Abby's saying, you expect that player to dominate that position in all your matchups throughout the season, then I want to also have other players that I can can depend to dominate their matchups. Mm-hmm. So I just want people that just with these high ceilings. And then once you have this this type of build where you have these high ceiling players, you can start to utilize the season to find other players that are kind of hidden gems at the moment that can fill in those holes. Mm-hmm. Guys that you didn't know at the moment were going to be valuable to your team come week 15, they're staples in your starting lineup, i.e. I. Miles Gaskin from last year. Mm, yeah. You know, so um, so I do want to kind of, again, like he was saying, I don't want to reach. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take a running back for the sake of just filling my running back hole because, you know, my team has all these other players. I don't have a running back and, you know, I just need a guy. No, I want to take a guy that I feel like is good value at this point because if I miss out on him, I'll figure it out later. Yeah. Hopefully my other players can kind of, um, um, you know, make ends or whatever, you know, take advantage. So um, I do like the the high-end wide receiver builds from tight end, mm-hmm. early tight end. I like the way those look, but that's kind of when you decide, okay, I just want to go zero running back. Mm-hmm. I don't so much like the tight end running back, running back build. Because I start to think you re- – that's kind of when you start to creep into that dead zone mm-hmm. of the running backs. Uh, no, no, what I'm saying, the third round, it depends. That's your your Carson, David Montgomery, Swift. But now I'm seeing those guys go in the back end of the third. If you're in the front end of the third, do you want to reach to any of those guys? I don't know. I right. probably feel more comfortable with the receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know yeah. – Again, it's really all about how value falls to me. Yeah. Uh, I don't even mind going tight end early and then considering going another tight end in the third or fourth or even even the, se- the second. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if you could pull off a Kelsey a Waller build, oh, my gosh. Right. Like, oh, yeah, domination. I, I doubt that. Like, the, I, I, like, I'm jealous already thinking about yeah. it, you know, the potential. So um, in, a, in the tight end premium. Yeah, yeah, in tight end mm-hmm. premium, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I don't usually do yeah. many tight end builds. One thing, from the jump. yeah. One thing that I do try to avoid if I do go tight end early is I try to avoid, if at all possible, grabbing my QB early. I think hmm. it really pigeonholes you. That. Well, it because so when I draft, I really draft with the idea that again, you know, I want to make sure I have a starting lineup that I feel comfortable with. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't want a bunch of just like high upside picks. You know, the Miko Hartmans and, you know, Elijah Moores of the world. And then, you know, week one, week two come around and I'm, you know, having. Can't even play them. Yeah. You know, you don't feel comfortable playing these guys. Okay. Because, you you know, so I really want to make sure I have, you know, a legitimate build, especially in these leagues where, you you know, you have a larger uh, starting roster uh, requirements. You know, so FFPC where two running backs, two wide receivers, two flex or NFFC where you have two running backs, three wide receivers and a flex. So if you go tight in early, 
Okay, yes, you know, you kind of lock down that position, you know, positional scarcity, you, you know, you're ex excelling at that position. But then if you go quarterback early and you say, okay, you know, I, you know, I really love Josh Allen, and you go him in the fifth, well, now, you know, now you're going to be hurting at your positional picks. Start getting behind. Exactly. And so the, the discrepancy between, you know, quarterbacks from the top tier to the mid tier to the lower tier, I think are smaller compared to the running backs from the top tier to the mid tier to the lower tier and the same for the wide receivers. So those are usually positions and this is not, I'm, this is not, you know, any analytical data. This is just, you know, kind of what I have surmised over like the years of me drafting and, uh, and, and what my experience has been. But I think that, you know, ideally, you know, I'm taking a shot at one of those. It's either the tight end or it's the quarterback. You know, sometimes you can pull it off both. I think when you're doing that, you know, it's a gamble. And it's a gamble that may pay off if you can, especially, you know, if you feel like you have some, like, value picks later on that you are really targeted that you feel may be able to easily slot, you know, or uh, start for you, uh, you know, week one, week two, et cetera. But – for the most part, you know, I think if I if I can help it, I'm I'm trying to avoid you know starting off with the early tight end and then going going with an early quarterback and, and putting myself in a very very deep hole where I feel like I'm fighting uh, to get out. So let's continue on with roster construction for a second. Um, I want to talk about the receiver dead zone. Let's talk about what rounds <laughs> those are because there is a receiver dead zone, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's so talk we, about we just coined that. Okay, so right. if this somehow catches on. We were the first, first and 15th, the wide receiver dead zone. All right. Let's talk about what rounds consist of the dead zone and yeah. what do you do during that time? All right. So, I, yeah, I, I was kind of joking. This is kind of a play, obviously, on the uh, RB dead zone. I think this is more in play given the current state of where wide receivers are going. I really think a lot of these wide receivers, you know, we're hoping that they pay off this fourth, fifth round value, but there are big and major question marks. And I think some of these guys are going to be spike week guys where you're going to have some weeks where they pay off, but you're going to have a lot of dud weeks that may hurt your lineups. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think, you know, really I'm looking at it, uh, I'd probably say round six through eight, okay? That's a tough round because there's not a lot, you know, I think that's where we're starting to see some of the running backs getting pushed down to. Mm -hmm. And so I've kind of made the pivot now with this idea, knowing that these wide receivers, the ones that I, w I was getting in the sixth round, you know, the Tyler Lockett's or late fifth, you know, Adam Thielen, the Cooper Cuffs, and, and those guys, you're getting late fifth, late sixth. And, and Ayuk lived in the sixth round for, for quite some time. Those guys are all being pushed up now. And Jerry Judy, oh, my God, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we were just, you know, we were loving Jerry Judy in the seventh round. Now he's going in the fifth round. So mm -hmm. for for me, understanding that now I've kind of changed how I draft. Okay. So I at least want to get one of those higher end wide receivers. And I'm still, you know, you know, probably going, you know, with two running backs early on. But I'm trying to switch it up now. So maybe I go a tight end and a tight end premium during those mid rounds. Uh I'm, you know, probably maybe more attacking quarterback in those mid rounds. Some something that's a surefire thing, uh, and then just waiting because I think a lot of those guys that are going in those rounds, there are very very similar guys that are going rounds, you know, seven through ten that I feel very very comfortable with. We saw Devontae Smith get pushed down the board. You know, we may come to see that Devontae Smith may not be all that different. Devontae Smith getting pushed down the board. Oh yeah, during his injury scare, he was going in the eighth round. Back into the seventh round. 
So, and now I'm pivoting into guys like Miles Gaskin. Yeah, Miles Gaskin, who's going into the seventh round. Uh, you know, Raheem Mostert, who's someone I've like, I'm really taking a liking to. I I don't care that it's an RBBC. I know this is a running team and a very running off in in, in a run you know in in a, in a great running scheme. All he really needs is 12 to 15 touches a game. We've seen what he can do with that. To me, that's you know, and and really like they've kept him on bubble wraps. He hasn't been injured, but he's not playing. The only other player mm-hmm. that they've really done that with is George Kittle. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that just that told George me George Kittle's a lot. practicing too though. They're both practice, but they're not playing in the preseason. Yeah. So that's kind of telling me a lot, you know. Uh, so, you know, I'm kind of pivoting to guys like that now uh, who I feel just a little bit more comfortable. And it's not that I'm, like, saying don't draft those guys in those rounds. It's just that I like a lot of guys that I have in the same tier that go two to three rounds later. So I'm just kind of making that pivot. I'm not forcing myself to, you know, draft a uh, sixth uh, or a late fifth round wide receiver uh, that I don't have graded out at that current ADP. So, so Dio, what is your strategy during that time? Because it seems like in in drafts as of late, receivers are being bumped up quite a bit. What's your strategy during that, what we're coining as receiver dead zone? Well, to be honest with you, I really didn't even know there was a, a receiver dead zone. So yeah, this I, is, just, I just made it. This up. is all new. This is <laughs> maybe all we don't want to call it a dead zone. Maybe we want to call <laughs> well, it. A, we, we, we should uh, probably call it something else. <laughs> but it's interesting hearing Abby talk about it because um, it kind of was kind of like what I, I like to always say as far as just drafts in general and these boards. Um, all of these players are just being shuffled around, you know. Um, Players that are going higher now just really means player, other players are going lower probably than when they were going before. So if – and we've seen it, and we even talked about it, most likely due to injuries or situation changes. But if these wide receivers that we were taking in the sixth and seventh round are now going in the third, fourth, fifth round, that means the players that were going there initially are now going after these guys. Mm-hmm. So if – we all know the running back dead zone is round four to six. Some say three. And now we're saying the wide receiver dead zone is six to eight. Sounds to me like the, the ideal strategy is wide receivers during the running back dead zone mm-hmm. and running backs during the wide receiver dead running zone. Running backs or tight ends um, or quarterbacks, yeah. And I've I seen – I think this is Sigmund Bloom. I might just be giving him credit for no reason, but I think it's Sigmund Bloom that said it. Don't let the ADP don't become a slave to the ADP, because mm-hmm. that will they will your ADP will make your team, and that's a big type of idea to think about. Because if you go into a draft having values for players, there shouldn't even be an ADP list. You should be able to just say this is how, who I want at this place. This is who I want at this place. But in reality, what happens is we all see this cue, mm-hmm. and it makes us draft differently. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not so much because we really say, okay, well, this is the ADP, so these are the values. It's more so the psychology that everybody's also looking at this same list ADP. So they're kind of considering the players at the top just like you are. So even if it's a player that you like but you think is value too high, you have to really make a consideration, if I want this guy on my team, I got to take him higher than what I probably expect because ADP is high. you know, Or a guy that we probably are like – he is a great value. He's going to smash like how we used to think about A.B. He was going in the eighth round. Mm-hmm. We wanted him. We probably valued him higher than the eighth round. Eighth round, ninth round, but tenth round. 
we knew let's not jump higher to get him yeah. because we can get him later. Um, so these boards are all shuffling around, and you have to kind of, again, be like water, go with the flow, but don't let the ADP tell you where you have to take some guy. There's guys, yeah. and I've done a couple drafts lately, but there's guys that I used to like because of where they were going. I'm just not drafting anymore right now. Yeah. They're just yeah. – the, 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 the place that they're being selected is just too rich for my blood, and I'm, I'm okay missing those guys mm-hmm. because there's going to be other players. This is football. People are going to have good weeks and bad weeks. You know, there's mm-hmm. always value to be found. You just have to find it. You know, yeah. and you just telling me Devontae Smith is slipping. That's a, that's a mistake. <laughs> Devontae <laughs> Smith is going to have a damn good season. And I usually don't even make these type of claims. But, again, the Eagles don't have any main receiver there. He, if you look at the way he runs his routes, he can always get open. The question is, can they get him the ball? Mm-hmm. If they can get him the ball – in that type of, of division and offense, he's going to eat. You know? I think the question is whether he's going to be able to stay healthy all season. Oh, but, I don't think that's an issue at all. But he's never had it's injury a, issues yeah, before. And, and, the, and this, this injury he's dealing with now, Small, he's already back. Yeah, I'm not so it's not, yeah. even, it's not even something he's ever dealt – I mean, that he's dealing with long term. So I wouldn't be concerned with that. Um, and the doctor even said it. He was like, it's not a, a big issue. Now, it's football. Anybody can get hurt. But you can't plan for, for injuries. Yeah. Right, right. C-Mac we couldn't have planned for last year. Barkley we couldn't have planned for. Mm-hmm. Although I wouldn't have drafted him there. Um, but, yeah, if, if there's a wide receiver dead zone, just take the running back. Just take or the running backs. Quarterbacks. Yeah, take the running backs that you see or, or tight ends or quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that you, you know who to take from those. But if you're going to take running back, take the guys that you can envision having a meaningful role yeah. if just one thing changes. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. just one thing. Yeah. Injury, trade, um, just something. Yeah. That doesn't mean just take any running back. There are running backs that we don't like, okay? Yeah. Those are the ones that are in our running back dead zone, but we don't think that every running back that goes in rounds three through six, seven are just running backs that you should completely avoid. Yeah. Having just sort of kind of a, you know, a philosophy of I'm just avoiding running backs in these rounds I think is just a setup for failure because you just, you're going to miss out on so much value. You're going to miss out on guys that hit. Even if there's a low hit rate, be better. Be, you know, be the drafter that is able to decipher through all of the news, through all of the mess, to find that, you know, those, those handful of running backs that will succeed. Because now you have an advantage over your league mates. So where, that, are you, um, where are you taking Henderson right now? I'm not drafting Henderson. If uh, you were to take him. Uh, if you could take him any round. If I could take him any round, I would probably be looking at taking him – Ninth, tenth round, right? Oh, so now. we fell a lot for you. Wow, yeah. We oh, yeah, yeah, lot, absolutely, lot. absolutely. I, you know, again, I, like you said, talent versus situation. And this is one of those things, too, where like this is why he was, you know, this is why I use this is where I use the term upside. You know, a lot of times upside to me, you know, to some degree equates with risk. Mm-hmm. He was a risky pop proposition because I knew he wasn't a first round running back, mm-hmm. I knew he wasn't this elite talent, but he was just in a great situation. But because he was in a great situation, I understood that there was risk there, and to me, that was the upside. Where are you okay. taking James Robinson? I wouldn't take James Rob. I probably am not going to get James Robinson. I'm not going to take him in the third round. If I start off zero RB, and for me, zero RB is going like two wide receivers early. I'm not you know, doing like the four or five wide receiver build usually. So if I go like two wide receivers early, or maybe, I, you know, maybe I'm at the you – know, or somehow 
for some reason go you know tight end two wide receivers or whatever uh then you know i'd be looking at him fourth in the fourth round. round yeah but i'm not taking him in the third round I, i'm not taking him over deandre swift uh i'm not taking him over chris carson i'm not taking him over Allen robinson i won't even take him over robert Woods. definitely not taking him over amari cooper none of those guys i'm not taking yeah. him over any of those yeah. guys okay you know? because again this is a different offense this is not the same offense that was there last that there was different head coach different offensive coordinator New weapons, okay? They have mm-hmm. new weapons that have come into play. They have a new quarterback that's come into play. So I'm not saying James Robinson is a bad pick, but um, I, he's, he's a fair not amount for me. of unknowns right there. Yeah, he, he's just not for me. I think he'll be fine, but he's not. I don't see him as league winning upside or someone who's going to really have a lot of spike weeks based off of you know where he's going. There's other guys that I'd rather have. Well, you're kind of taking going. him at his ceiling now if he's going to the third. You know, that's kind of his ceiling because yeah. mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know if we expect a lot of PPR work. As far as getting a lot of yeah. catches out of the backfield, um, I wouldn't even be surprised if they bring somebody else in. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Um, and then you know, Chenault might end up getting a, a few of those dump offs. Uh, I had to draft Chenault. Yeah, he might end up getting. Yeah. yeah, I like Chenault, but he might end yeah. up getting a little bit of the, those yeah. dump offs. So I, I don't know. Right now, he's taking it. I think the thing with news with, with fantasy, it always makes, it always has this like yo-yo effect. It makes people go one extreme way. Yeah. I think people are like really excited about James Robinson, his his potential. Um, I definitely don't see him going in the second round. So the no, third no. is his max to me. Yeah. He might fall back down to the fourth, the fifth a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um and speaking of, this is totally off subject, but do you all remember when Pitts was going in like in the second round? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hasn't happened very frequently recently. No, no, mm-hmm. he's falling like the third, maybe like the back end third, early. Because there's been no positive news. That's what I was gonna say. Nothing's Not changed. I don't say positive news, no fluff. Right, nothing mm-hmm. has changed. Yeah. yeah, he went from the. I even think he might have. Don't quote me. I might totally be lying, but I think he yeah. might have creeped into like the very back end of the first in one draft. Yeah, if you yeah, look on Fantasy crazy. Mojo, there yeah. probably is one draft he was taking in the back end of the yeah. first. Nothing's changed about Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I think there've been a couple, and of, now he's falling. Yeah, there've been there've been some reports about how he's kind of been. You know, he was getting. I want to say manhandled, but no, I didn't see that. I've I've heard yeah. actually good. Like I've heard they've been I'm talking about in, him. I'm talking about not not in. I'm talking about when they've uh, practiced with other teams. And he's have they been practicing? Like I, I didn't know. Yeah, Falcon yeah, they've been practicing practice with other teams. teams. I forget who they. I, it was either uh, the Bills or the Dolphins. But even if he's being manhandled, I want to say manhandled, but he was basically you know they you know they were doing a good job of covering him. Being tuned up Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I got you. Well, he'll figure it out. But I, I don't know. That's just weird to me. So yeah. there's a question I've been wanting to ask every single episode, and we keep pushing it back, pushing it back. Let's talk about defenses. When do you guys start evaluating defenses? Because that affects your start sit. It affects, you know, how you set your lineups from week to week. Yeah. When do you start to evaluate defenses? So we're not talking about drafting defense. We're talking about actually evaluating yeah. defense. Defense where our players are going yeah, to That's, that's right. a good question. Okay. Okay. Honestly, uh, most of that comes like in the first two to three weeks. And you hmm. can actually get a pretty good idea week one. Okay. And that's actually, you know, something that I really, really look at. And a lot of times I'm also, like, you know, specifically like kind of looking at, you know, the D-line specifically. Uh, definitely, you know, preseason, you got to do, do your best. Uh, you look at player personnel. You look at, like, continuity. You look at, like, the defensive scheme and system, et cetera. They, they can give you some, some, uh, a good sense of what's going on, like, you know, could the Pittsburgh Steelers be a you know a, a poor run defense potentially? But what's the more likely outcome that they're going to probably be a good run defense? So, I usually you know preseason or 
are, you know, considering the extremes, who's a really, really good run defense or projected really, really good run defense, who's a really, really projected poor defenses, and then I just kind of ignore everything in between. And then those first weeks of the season, I'm really looking at uh, as many games as I, as I can to really try and evaluate, okay, who is a really good defense? And it can be tough sometimes, too, because I'm not looking at things like turnovers. I'm not looking at a quarterback, you know, you know, who uh, has a ball that just sells on them or gets tipped in a, in a, in a, in a, in a team defense. You know, they, they get an interception, they, you know, and, and they score, you know, they take it to the house and score six. That, to me, is irrelevant. I'm looking at, you know, what's going on in the trenches. Mm-hmm. What do the cornerbacks look like? And cornerbacks can be tough because cornerbacks, they can have a good game, they can have a bad game, you know. So sometimes, you know, that kind of comes down more to pedigree, but – you know, scheme and D-line to me are the things that I try to kind of focus in on first, and then the rest just kind of comes throughout the season. But it definitely plays a very, very strong role in start-sit decisions throughout the year. Yeah. Dio, like, how, how do you evaluate defenses? Like, what are you looking at, and how long does it take you to kind of set bad defenses versus good defenses? So, um, I, I, I don't put much value in it early. Um, I, I am a subscriber to – you know, play your studs. Mm-hmm. You know, your studs are your studs. You drafted them high for a reason. Right. Um, and we've all seen situations where people are in bad matchups and they do great. Mm-hmm. And we've seen the, the opposite people in in great matchups totally bomb. You right. know? Um, so I usually don't let matchups sway me extremely. Now, I do pay attention to, like, the high-end corners, like the shutdown corners. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that will make me tick down a certain wide receiver a little bit. Um, the high-end run-stopping defenses, and you were talking like the top maybe three, four teams as far as stopping the run in the league, mm-hmm. which you really don't really know until maybe week three, week four, after they've had a few games under their belt. Um, but even then, one of the biggest things that I value in fantasy is opportunity and touch potential. Mm-hmm. So even if you're going against a bad defense or you're, you're, you're playing a bad matchup as far as a cornerback, um, if I think you're going to still get a whole bunch of targets or a whole bunch of carries or, or catches out the backfield, I'll still strongly consider playing you, you know? Mm-hmm. Again, if it's extreme, like if I know you're going against Darrell Revis, you know, back in the day or mm-hmm. right now, I don't know how much Jalen Ramsey is really making things difficult, but somebody Xavier. like like Xavier Howard, exactly, mm-hmm. um, Stephon Gilmore – I might say, let me tick it down a little bit. Even if I tick their value down, if I look at them compared to my alternative options on my bench, mm-hmm. I'm still probably going to play them. You know, right. so at the end of the day, what did it really do? It was, a, it was an exercise in futility. So um, I don't value it too much. I, I more look at defenses to try to, for my DFS plays. Because, hmm. you know, in DFS, you're trying to play high-end value players that's going to give you the most amount of points so you can win that million dollars. You know, so I look hmm. at it like that. Um, but in redraft, your, your players are your players, yeah. you know. Um, now, it is a good situation or ideal, and I haven't really spoke on this too much, but I do try to build my redraft teams in a DFS-type makeup where I have so many good players where it's really just just play the best mm-hmm. players I feel mm-hmm. like are going to do the best. Mm-hmm. That's the best type of roster you can have, you know, mm-hmm. where it's just like, okay, I have uh, – uh, Russell West, I mean, I'm sorry, Russell um, Wilson, mm-hmm. and I have Dak Prescott. Who right. am I going to play? You right. know, so um, which was supposed to be a topic this week, by the way. And oh, really? Cut the topic. I, I literally just no, no, made I it wanted up to my pick mind. him 
Like, who do you draft? <laughs> you know, Russell Wilson uh, or my, Dak. My bad, but it's know. all good. It's yeah. all good. Another guy whose value in ADPs is uh, dropping for a really nothing Injury. has changed. Injury. Because yeah. Adam Schefter came out and gave his opinion and people kind of ran with it. Uh, and then Adam Schefter himself came back out and was like, look, well, there's a lot this of is smoke. not a report. This there's, is just literally, I'm just like, you know, talking. There's just so much smoke coming from Dallas. Yeah. You, you got to understand people be a little bit concerned. There's so much smoke, but people are willing to take Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, yeah. Gallup, Zeke Elliott. Well, CeeDee Lamb's not Tyler, hurt. Tyler, oh, you talking about all his I think weapons. they're willing to take all of yeah, his yeah, weapons yeah. Uh, that early. Well, the people. All of his weapons are getting drafted. Pe- people kind of look at it as they, they pick their poison. They're not so much taking all of them, no, but the people, people are that are taking Cowboys. all of them, yeah. they're taking Dak. Yeah. They believe in Dak. So Dak let's go back to defenses, though. Let's not move on. Oh defenses yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. So, um, so just to finish my comment, um, I look at these defenses for the extremes, but again, I'm still probably going to play my guys. Um, I, I, I don't believe right now you should be looking at defenses because all the information we have as far as these defenses is historical mm-hmm. from last year. And things change, personnel changes, coach changes, schemes change, um, things of that nature. Matchups change, you know. Um, but, um, you know, de- I, like I said, I don't let defenses sway me that much. Play mm-hmm. your studs. You know, you drafted them for a reason. And if they're that great of a player, then regardless of the matchup, they're still going to produce for you. And you're, you're going to be real mad if you bench them. And then they they go off. Uh, I'll sit. I'll sit my stuff. You, you, you will sit on my bench if I feel like you need to. Yeah. yeah. Let's no, talk about yeah, studs. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's a good segue because I want to talk about studs. I know Dorsey brought it up uh, like in the group chat today. It seems like a lot of backups are going ahead of starters. Let's talk about that. Is that savvy or stupid? Well, give some examples because uh, when he said it, I was like, "Who?" And then when he listed them, I was like, "Okay, there actually are quite a few." I mean, like, he, um, he listed quite a few. And when I, when well, I, saw he, I remember a few. Like, he mentioned Sermon over Mostert. Yep, yep. He mentioned uh, Elijah Moore over Corey Davis. Yeah. Um, DJ over Philip Lindsay. I wouldn't, yeah. you know, I wouldn't say that they're stupid. Uh, I think in some cases they're savvy. I just think it depends on your build. Yeah. So, you know, especially for someone like me who goes running back early. And when I say heavy running back early, what that means these days is I take two running backs in like the first three rounds. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe sometimes I take three in the first four rounds. I'm not doing like a robust RB build, you know, in the far majority of my drafts. But so if I get two running backs that I really, really like, then sixth, seventh round comes around. I'm fine. Like taking someone like a Trey Sermon or, or maybe even like, you know, reaching for someone like a, you know, I shouldn't say reach, but taking someone like a Javante Williams, not with the idea that I expect them to like, you know, start with for me right out you're, of the You're gate. looking down the road. I'm looking down yeah, the road. Yeah. These are like league winners, you know, yeah. later on down the road. So it's savvy from a standpoint of, okay, if you, you know, have a certain type of roster construct where you feel like, okay, you can, you have a couple pieces you can get in those mid to later tiers that you can kind of fill out your starting lineup and you really want to take that kind of, you know, high upside. This is, you know, this falls in my definition of uh, high upside picks. Yeah. Then those are the type of players yeah. that you go for. Same thing with like the Corey Davis and the Elijah Morris. For me, I would consider that a savvy pick because I'm someone mm. who doesn't believe in Corey Davis's talent. Okay, I don't, I don't want to hear He'd about. He'd be wrong, it. but yeah, yeah he, he would be wrong. But let him. Mm. Go. I mean, I don't. Okay, I was wrong up until preseason. We just said we don't care about preseason. No, no, no we've always been. On no, Corey we've Davis always thought that you were wrong. Corey, okay. Corey Davis was was nothing for a, for a while, and his and I mean. I, 
that's another. But either way, I'm not a Corey Davis believer, so you know I don't mind taking. You know, I'm not going to reach for Elijah Moore, but I don't. I would take Elijah Moore before I would take Corey Davis. Okay. And I'm fine. And like if Elijah Moore doesn't pan out and Corey mm-hmm. Davis scores more points, that's fine. But I think in terms of upside, in terms of the guy that has like the most ability, the, the guy that towards the end of the year is going. You know, I, I see being like the legit guy. To me, that's Elijah Moore. You know, they can so, do more with Elijah Moore. So. Certain situations, I think it's savvy. Other situations, I think it's something that, like, I think people may just not be necessarily aware mm-hmm. of who the actual starter is. That's one thing, yeah. You know, so in that situation, I don't want to call it stupid. I mean, it's just like, you know, just not having, you know, the amount of information. And sometimes we don't have the information. It's innocent, so. it's innocent ignorance. Yeah. But um, that sounds, that sounds negative. It's innocent. It's, it is negative. Like it sounds. Innocent it sounds ignorance. like y'all are trying to <laughs> smooth over stupid. It's but no, it's no, right. they just don't know. They don't know. And it's, yeah, I mean, if you don't know, you don't stupid. know. But um, that is a good point as far as that latter point. But initially, there are people that take these players because they're looking at the long game. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not so much caring about what their team looks like week one, because if you look at your what your team looks like week one, Melvin Gordon's will be valuable. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, uh, Moster would be super high. You know, mm-hmm. all these guys that we know are the incumbent veteran players there will be valued because we know week one they're probably going to play the most. But especially in something like a tournament, we all keep in mind that the money weeks are the back end. And we've played football or we watch football enough to see that you have players that, especially young rookies, they come out the gate very slow, but by the end of the season, they're superstars, i.e. last year, Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. You know, players like that. Even Jonathan Taylor started off slow, you know. Um, all those running backs started off slow. By the end of the season, they were a major thing. Mm-hmm. So people want to kind of catch that lightning in a bottle with their team this year. Um, the problem is, you know, it gets to a point where they might be overvaluing them mm-hmm. too early. Um because, you know, back in the day, like last year, I looked at a board from last year, Justin Jefferson was going like in the 12th round, you know? And if you think about that now, that's, that's laughable. You know, the guy's now being taken in the second, third round, and you were able to get him in the 12th round last year, and you saw what he did. Um, now people are thinking they're finding the next Justin Jefferson, but they're taking him, like Jamar Chase, they're taking him in the fourth, fifth round. Mm-hmm. And I like Jamar Chase. I've even taken him there, I'm not going to lie. Um, but the value's not there anymore. We're, again, taking him at his ceiling. So um, I, I, I get why people do it. Uh, it's savvy to them. And, you know, everything can be looked at funny until it works, you know. Right. And then, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, And once it works, it's like, wow, you were, you know, you were a wizard. You saw that, you know, you predicted the future. Or you can say, you know, you messed up. Yeah. But you well, gotta you gotta shoot for the moon and land for the land on the clouds in this to some extent with these type of leagues, you know. Um, you can't play it safe, you know. So I get it. I, I don't knock it whatsoever. Um, but some people do take it a little bit too far. Like I see some builds where it's like mostly running backs, and I cringe a little bit. I mean, I'm sorry, mostly rookies, and I cringe a little bit because, yeah, you might be building a team that's gonna be very high. Um, point potential near the end of the season but if you don't even make it to the tournament as far as have a successful enough regular season none of that will matter you'll be one of the highest scoring teams on the outside looking in um so that doesn't benefit you so michael carter uh in the you know jets backfield that was especially earlier on in draft season that that was a good example of that 
Again, we didn't have a lot of information, but he, we he did. put out a, a long list, and I was like, That's, "Yeah, uh, but okay. uh, yeah, yeah. you know the the you know the range of where he was going versus Tevin Coleman, who was I think sometimes being undrafted potentially, and Ty Johnson, who was definitely being undrafted at the time. That was just you know that gap was just way too wide, and we were just way too certain that he was going to be the starter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's the rookie, you know. You could argue that he's necessarily more explosive. I like what I've seen from Ty Johnson. Okay, you know he's 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 always looked good to me from Maryland. I just have always questioned how much workload he can get. But in a in an RBBC, he seems like a perfect fit. And to pair him with someone like a Tevin Coleman, and then you have you know that could literally be a true three back RBBC. But you know to kind of assume that he's just the lead guy. And if take it's him an the RBBC, round, nobody taking Michael Carter are going to be happy. Yeah, hmm. because they're taking him with the assumption that he's going to become the man. Yeah. Even if it's not week one, yeah. mm-hmm. by the mid-season or end of the yeah. season, they're taking him, expecting him to be the guy. Yeah. And RBBC value is not where he's being valued at right now. It's, yeah. it's, not, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. Um, you don't want to take those guys in the sixth, seventh round. Those are now, guys. if he becomes the guy, I don't know. Have, have you, okay, you watched the Jets preseason game? How's he yeah. looked? He looks okay. He looks Michael okay. He, he looks like I thought he was going to look. Michael Carter, does yeah. he look fast? No. He doesn't look fast? Has, I mean, Not to me. I don't think you can say that. I don't think you can say that. He didn't look fast to me. I, I think I actually I mean, I'm just saying, does he look fast look. to you? Does he look like somebody that has that juice or he looks like somebody so that's that's that just... There's not a lot of difference between him and Ty Johnson. But Ty Johnson is... Ty Johnson is super fast, though. Yeah, there's not a lot of difference. Ty Johnson, you know, he has that explosion. He hits the hole... You know, pretty good. His vision to me is a little bit questionable, and his power is very questionable. Ty Johnson? Yeah, Ty Johnson. Oh, yeah, he's a small guy. So He's a small guy. But Michael Carter, on the other hand, like, I'm more based, you know, it's hard for me to take such a small sample of the preseason and say, okay, this is who he is. But I'm asking you, take that small sample. I can't. I can't. Okay, Chris, you've seen it. What does he look like? I just didn't think that he looked explosive. He didn't look impressive to you? No. No, but I feel that same way about Javante as well. Like I didn't feel like oh, Javante looked explosive. Oh. I didn't. I didn't think he looked explosive, he looked explosive. at all. Like he I saw good. him catch like the sideline once, and it was like, eh. I, th- I think they ran him down. Actually, I think he got run down on the sideline. I, mean, one I don't play. care if a running back is run down, but he looked explosive to me. Yeah, I don't know. Javante to break away. Javante makes me want to draft him in the sixth round. Is like you mm-hmm. know that guy. I've I've cooled off on Trey Sermon. I think he's going like too high now. And I haven't I'm, seen Trey Sermon play. I haven't seen none of these guys in preseason. Trey Sermon hasn't looked all that impressive, uh, honestly. But he's hurt, right? He, he, but he's, I think he's back practicing. I think he had an ankle injury. Uh, so, but I, but I, th- I think he's uh, at least back in limited fashion. So when it comes to messages and DMs that we get, almost everybody wants to know about these tears. And I know that this isn't on the show sheet, but I want to go through a few positions and I want you guys to tell me who's higher in that tier on your list. We're playing one of those games. Yeah, let's play one of those for a second. We already (laughs) talked about Dak and Russell Wilson. Who's higher, Dak or Russ? Well, first, do you have them in the same tier? They're in the same tier. All right, who's higher? Dak. I'll go Russ. You had to go Russ because he went Dak. Although, no, 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 I agree no. with you. I, but, but remember, I take Russ, too. I, I've, I've also had You're my concerns. You're taking Russ now, but earlier you would have taken Dak. No, no, I still would have taken – remember, I've always had my concerns about Dak. Yeah. I've always had my concerns about Dak. I, I still have those concerns. Yeah. It's not these current concerns. I feel like the injury is going to be something that's going to be watering the bridge. 
But the other things, I don't think he's going to run as much. I mean, I've he talked. Need to, he doesn't need to run. I, I've talked about it before. Mm, he doesn't I've need talked to about run. it before. That's the thing. He doesn't need to run. I want my I want he my quarterback run. to run. I feel like Russ is going to run a fair amount in that new offense um, that they're going to implement. I think is going to benefit him quite a bit. They're going to be very. Um, um, I don't want to say formidable, but they're they're going to be a lot more consistent and put up a lot more points, in my opinion. Yeah. Again, this is all opinion-based. Nobody knows what's going to happen. So if I was to choose, I would take Russ. I, don't know. I feel like the Dallas Cowboys defense is worse than the, than the uh, Seahawks defense. And, see, this is why I don't like these questions, because now it makes it sound like I didn't like Russ. And literally, that was like – No, it doesn't. <laughs> we talked about no, no, no. our very no, first no, no, episode. No, no, no. I love it the doesn't. Seahawks. No, yeah, yeah. Choosing, choosing between one yeah, of the two. Yeah, if I got to choose, I'm going, I'm, going, I'm going with Dak. Yeah. All right. Uh, J.K. Dobbins or David Montgomery? You want to take that? Gosh, he's, he's hitting us, huh? Come on. That's a pretty good question. <laughs> uh, I, I, if I'm on the clock right now. If, right now. If I'm right clock, now, I'm taking Dobbins. True serum. Drafted right now, I'm taking David Montgomery. I'm taking Dobbins. J.K. definitely got the most talent. See, I'm surprised. I'm David Montgomery. I think Dobbins has I the think, most talent. I'm surprised. I think yeah, Montgomery has a better. I think yeah, Montgomery. Oh, yeah. has, J- J.K. Of course has. That's what I'm saying. You just yeah. said Montgomery. Has I said better. J.K. has. See, you trying to you trying to start. Oh, I thought you. I, I said thought J.K. Said, has the most talent. I thought. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Who's with behind that. David Montgomery? Uh, Damien Williams. 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 Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and then it injured Tariq Cohen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, Cohen is picking guys. Montgomery has like a true three down. No, he has that situation like a very good situation. You're literally picking guys that I would almost split hairs. Like if I did two drafts. If I was in the same situation, one yeah. I would take Montgomery, the other one I would take Dobbins. The only reason why I wouldn't take Dobbins is because I'm really high on Gus Edwards. I think Gus Edwards is just as good as J.K. Dobbins. That's, Probably is that's so. ridiculous. All uh, right. The, but but this, this is a problem with J.K. Dobbins is where he's going. They pay, it's so they easy pay to the pass man for a reason. J.K. Dobbins. It's so yeah. easy to pass. I mean, on yeah, Dobbins. Montgomery's going Montgomery falls after, into the fourth. Yeah, Montgomery, yeah, Montgomery's going like maybe about six picks after, yeah. maybe even a round after. So value That's still wise, the same tier, though. Yeah, no, same tier, yes. But Dobbins, in my mind, is being – he's positioned in that tier the right place because, yeah. again, I have him over Montgomery. Yeah. But I can, I can understand the argument for Montgomery. He's, um, he's one of those weird, like, RBs like, that I would consider, like, a dead zone RB. Who, Montgomery? No. Well, Dobbins? Dobbins, for oh, sure. Oh, the dead zone starts early for you then, like real early. Well, there's certain, like, ones that, like, I cherry pick because, okay. because of his just role, his lack of role. Gotcha. Like, and I could be, absolutely be wrong, so – I think I've gotten a few shares of so, the force. Speaking but. on the Ravens, and I'll just implement a little bit of dynasty stuff in here. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Justice Hill, mm-hmm. former running back for Oklahoma State. Um, they had high hopes for him. I think he was taken in the third or fourth round, maybe about three years ago. He just for some reason has not been able to stay stay healthy in the past. He came into this season, they had high hopes for him again. He's injured now. One guy, it's actually two guys. I forget the second guy's name. I wish I remembered it. But one guy that stood out to me personally is Tyson Williams. Hmm. So that's a dynasty guy, a running back you can kind of pay attention to. He's looked, um, he's looked good as far as uh, camp. Mm-hmm. Um, he's produced numbers in preseason. Uh, the coaches have talked him up. So just somebody to, to consider. Um, but looking at the Rams um, – I'm sorry, not the Rams. The Ravens backfield. I don't really see a passing down back there. No, you know, I give you that. You know, yeah. so because I don't see a passing down back, to me, out of all the options, Dobbins is the one that's going to fit that role, and I think that's going to make his value a lot higher because I think we're value him now as if he's not getting a lot of passing. They haven't, work. They haven't historically had a passing. Right, right. Down. No, I yeah. agree. Yeah. I, no, no, they, they've true. had they've had um, oh, 
Really Mark Ingram, right. Ingram yeah. wasn't really. Yeah, Ingram yeah. really he wasn't. Was the they haven't done it much either, but I don't know. I don't know. I just see if the, if they do, do give him time password, for one more. Sure, we'll one more. Time. We got time for one more. All right, all right. Who do you take, Ayuk or Jante or Jante? Deontay Johnson? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deontay Johnson. I don't know what I was thinking. Oh, I love Ayuk, but I'm taking Deontay. That's not that to me. I'm taking Deontay too, man. I'm taking Deontay. Oh, I love And Deontay. I love Ayuk. Even even with the easy schedule that Ayuk has towards the that, end of the to season? To me, like that to me was not. Uh, when I talk about easy schedule, I'm not looking at it from like a wide receiver standpoint. Mm-hmm. That's just too hard. Because we say easy schedule, okay, he's playing the Texans, but then if he sees Bradley Roby, right. that ain't an easy that ain't, you know, people like People like to, you know, shit on the Texans for the most part, but they don't – we got – there's some players, especially at the corner. You know, that's like our one good corner, you know, and he was a shutdown corner last year. Uh, Go back. They got Desmond King now. He's pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. So – but I was just, you know, more from like an overall team standpoint. Uh, But I I really do like Brandon Ayuk. He's somebody that I've been like actually targeting quite a bit. He's one of those guys that has moved up. But I've been okay paying that price, that fifth round price. I like Ayuk a lot. Yeah, yeah, I really do. And I actually think Ayuk is going over Deontay at the moment, uh, which means I can't take Ayuk because I'd be taking Deontay instead. Yeah, Um, they both have a lot of high. They both have like high upside. Maybe Ayuk has the higher upside because potentially hmm. less. But I don't know. That's a tough. But it definitely give me Deontay. The thing about it is, we know Deontay can be the main target getter for the Steelers. Mm -hmm. With mm-hmm. the 49ers, we can't guarantee it's going to be Ayuk because it could be Kittle. Mm-hmm. It could be Debo. Well, it could be uh, – well, I, I don't know if I want to go that far. It could be Claypool. It could be Juju. It'll be Ayuk. No no, 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 no. What I'm saying – I mean, outside of Kittle, it's going to be Ayuk. What I'm saying is we've, yeah. seen, we've seen it be Deontay at the Steelers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen it be Ayuk for the 49ers. You mean when all three of okay. them together. Right. Yeah. 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 We yeah. haven't seen it, but – We haven't seen it yet. So we know Deontay can be that. Yeah. I'm not saying he will. This but is the other thing, too, I like about Deontay is that, you know, because we know the offense is going to look a little bit different. And, yes, I understand it's preseason. But when they did go to, like, you know, kind of a, a two-wide receiver set, you know, kind of 12-personnel type look, uh, Deontay was the one on the field. And that's what I assume, but it's nice mm-hmm. getting that confirmation. I he mean, was, Big, Big Ben has his eyes on Deontay, man. Like, we were on – that's that, – like, if I'm going to take a – I don't like doing the victory lab things because there's just so many variables that go into play. Sometimes it's just luck. Sometimes it's just you randomly hopped on a guy. But Deontay was just one guy that we were just, like, last infatuated year. with last year. Him and Will Fuller. Will Fuller, to me, was more for situation. I Will like Fuller did not get suspended, man. Yeah. He was smashed. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a lot of the situation, but we liked his talent, but it was more situation for me. But we loved where he was going. But Deontay, oh, I mean, he was just, you know, he was someone that I think checked all the boxes mm-hmm. as just being like a true wide receiver one in terms of separating his skill set. And I'm not worried at all about the drops and just his quarterback just really kind of eyeing in on him and targeting him. So we can see, we, we, we maybe haven't seen, you know, his upside, you know, his, his ceiling just yet. All right, guys, that's all that we no, have no, no, this no, week. Wait, wait, wait. Man, you do this every week, man. Our superstar. Let me just say yeah. one thing. Okay. I really wanted to say two. I really you already gave a dynasty. Really you already gave it here. Gonna be, the dynasty was going to be the third one, but we'll, we'll cut it. Just that give off. us one. Just, just okay. give us one. No, it's going to be two. Yeah. First of all, I've been meaning to say this, so I'm finally going to put this out there. Let's zoom in on him. This, this, this season, just like last season, FFPC has a thing where the first game of the season, the Thursday night game, that you will be able to adjust your, your starting lineup after 
that game. Okay? So basically the, the Cowboys and the Bucks are gonna play that Thursday night game. You do not have to set your lineup prior to that game if you have Bucks or Cowboys players. You can wait until after they've played, after you've actually seen what they've done as far as points fantasy wise, and you can retroactively put them in your lineup. So for instance Or take them out. Or t- or take them out. For instance, if Brady, like if you have two quarterbacks, Brady and and uh, Lamar Jackson, for whatever reason, and Brady ends up putting 50 points that game against the Cowboys, you can say, well, let me put Brady as my quarterback and not even play Lamar Jackson week one. And you can do that for all the positions. O.J. Howard, Gronk, Mike Evans, A.B., um, Godwin, uh, Cowboys players, C.D., Amari, Gallup, um, their running backs, both their tight ends. I mean, every Cowboy and Buck, even their defenses and kicker, you can take that into account. They did it last year with the... um, the Chiefs and the Texans. Um, you were able to see how everybody played out. Uh, Watson did have a great game, so people that had Watson probably consider maybe not playing him. So just take that into consideration now that we're getting close to the season. Yeah, don't overvalue it, though. Yeah, yeah. Take it into consideration. It just gives you that, um, that peak, if you will, that sneak peek. Uh, the second thing I wanted to mention for my redraft people, because redraft is right around the corner, um, and I know people are probably drafting this weekend, so I just want to kind of put that out there, especially if you're playing Yahoo, okay? This is my tip for you. If you're in a league that has a, a defense and a kicker in Yahoo, I'm not talking about ESPN, do not draft a kicker or defense. <laughs> just don't do it. Go through your draft when it comes to those last rounds and everybody's looking at you like, oh, you're about, he's about to take his, his kicker or his defense. Just take another running back or another receiver or tight end and basically leave those two positions open. You do not have to fill them in the draft, and they don't have to be filled until week one. Okay? You can't do that in ESPN. ESPN, they force you to draft all of them. Unless it's an offline draft, in which case I actually just did that tonight. <laughs> and I, I, when you draft, when they force you to draft a kicker. No, it's an offline draft. So, okay. So, I so even then, yeah, offline draft. So yeah, don't draft them. Like and CBS, I think you can do it as well. You can figure out your kicker and defense later. Just keep taking stabs at those guys because we don't know what's going to happen between now and week one. Somebody can be traded. Somebody can get hurt. You can end up having this this lottery pick. Um, so that's the second thing. And can I close other, up the show now? Yeah, there's other things, but we'll talk about that redress stuff later. So. <laughs> All right, guys. This is episode 14, I think. Episode, 13. This is 13? Episode yeah, 13. 13. I don't know. <laughs> it's after 10. This is episode 13. Like, rate, subscribe. We're out. We're in the double digits. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I said, God, give me a warning. Please take me for the morning. So I leave more disappointments than I ever will appointments. Give a fuck about your feelings. Rub it in. This your ointment can't depend on the oink. Go find your pick in the blanket.